Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One of my favorite movies is Draft Day. Wait, your all-time favorite movie is Draft Day? If I catch it on TV, it does stop me in my tracks. Thinking Basketball Podcast, my name is Ben. Welcome back to another episode. Today, something a little different, I asked Mo Dockheel to come by and really add an X's and O's coaching video perspective to the conversation about these four teams in the Eastern Conference. Of course, we talk a lot about stats and analytics on this podcast, but as you know, I am a huge proponent of marrying data and measurements to the context and information that they live in. And sometimes we can be very short on the X's and O's side or how stuff fits together from a schematic or coaching standpoint. And Mo has a tremendous background in this area. He spent eight years as the Los Angeles Clippers video coordinator, another three years with the Spurs, uh, three more years with the men's national team in Australia, including an Olympic bid. So Mo is really a guy I've been trying to get on to talk about the game from this perspective and we go through the four teams got a bunch of interesting nuggets in this conversation and at a few points I will uh, pause and interject some of the stats we were talking about but otherwise here is my conversation with Mo Dockheel hope you guys enjoy it Mo thanks so much for coming on oh Ben thank you for having me man Mo what am I forgetting I feel like you're writing for Washington Post you're you're all over the net where where else can people find you Really just Twitter. I just bombard <laughs> people's Twitter timelines with, with, with video threads when I get bored. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where it feels like I'm everywhere. But really, I'm just in your brain on Twitter driving all, you nuts. All that other stuff is just like smoke and mirrors. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, the, the, the stuff with the Washington Post, hopefully I'll have some more things coming out in the next uh, couple weeks. And yeah, just mainly that. I do the podcast on the net, which is my own site. And yeah, man, I just I just try to stay as relevant as possible. Awesome. So maybe if you could just start by telling people from your perspective how you go about watching a game. You know, is there a difference between I'm watching a game live on my couch and I'm doing film study. What are you looking for? How do you break it down? When you get a Twitter thread, how does that come about? Just kind of let's talk about that process, if you will. Yeah, so, you know, whenever I'm watching any basketball game, and this is a common question that's asked of me is, you know, I consistently like to watch what's going on off the ball more than on the ball sometimes. Um, I think that's where you're going to see a lot of action. And with a team like, you know, the Warriors kind of with their actions and they're they're constantly cutting and moving and stuff like that. If you're just watching the ball, you're going to miss how these guys got open. You know, who slipped the screen, who's who set a really solid off ball screen to, to create that opening and force the defense to react that one way and open something else up. So, you know, the the most common thing I tell people always is, you know, I I just watch off the ball first. You know, I it's great now we live in an age with DVRs and, and replays on the computers and stuff like that. I can, if there is something I felt like I, I missed, I can, I can rewind and, 
and go back and I'll and I'll watch a play several times. I'm not fun to watch basketball with. <laughs> like you know, like I, it's it's hard. Like I have friends who are like, hey, let's let's watch the game together. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, no problem. And I just have to bite my tongue because I just want to rewind like 15 different plays where I'm like, let's can we go back for a second? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that 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 five or ten second jump back button uh has really become my best friend <laughs> over the years yeah and and that's something you know i really kind of started to take heart to because i heard larry brown speak somewhere one time and 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 he said you know like he knows where all 10 guys are at all times and where they're supposed to be and and whatnot so that's kind of where i made a point mentally of like i need to focus more on what's going on off the ball because that's going to enlighten me into what's actually happening on the court overall because a lot of times the the guy with the ball sometimes is the decoy, you know, he's, right. you know, at the last second, he's going to throw that pass. And obviously, I mean, you know, I, 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 I write this in my Twitter thread every now and then, you know, especially means more in transition defense, but you know, what scores the ball scores. So you got to have somebody on the ball. Awesome. No, those, if, if folks aren't following Mo on Twitter, uh, those video threads are fantastic when they come up. Um, speaking of, you know, video threads and things more tangible, to teams, I think given the state of the Eastern Conference, I know you've spoken about this recently, I really wanted to dive in to the Raptors, Bucks, Celtics, 76ers bloodbath, but from this perspective, from this, you know, if you could make 50 Twitter video threads tomorrow, what's that, what's the overarching story going to tell us? You know, if we start with, I don't know which team you want to start with, if we started with Toronto, uh, for the Washington Post earlier in the season, you did uh, beautiful work on the zone that they're playing with, that that one-two-two zone that they go into. They've now brought in Marc Gasol. What about uh, them from an X's and O's scheme set standpoint kind of pops either positive or negative from where we sit today? Yeah, you know, every team has both positive and negative things on, on X's and O's and, and several different ways. Um you know, with the with the Raptors, you know, the, like you said, I, I I wrote a piece on their zone. Um, they've run about a hundred zone possessions, which doesn't seem like a lot, but uh, they're very successful out of this one-two-two zone. And you know, it's something I think they they might throw at teams for a couple of possessions here and there in the playoffs. Uh, it'll be interesting what they do with Marcus Gasol. You know, the hardest thing for these for them, the Bucks and the the Sixers. They have to incorporate brand new pieces into their their schemes, into their system, and and get these guys comfortable. And they also have to adjust their systems to to kind of make to maximize what these guys do. Uh, you know, so going to Toronto, you know, the the biggest problem for me offensively is you know they have two different offenses. They have one one when uh, Kawhi's in the game, and one when he's not, and it's it's drastically different. You know, when he's when he's in the game, it's really all about Kawhi balls in his hands he's he's creating and 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 he's you know he's really kind of just creating his own shot there's not a lot of ball movement the pat i haven't looked at the numbers but if i had to guess the passing numbers are drastically down when he's in the game versus when he's not because when he's not in the game you're seeing a lot more ball movement you're seeing a lot more guys get touches and 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 whatnot and it's not a matter of what's right or wrong it's it's kind of what really they're both working i mean they're second in the east you know, it's 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 definitely been productive. It's just a matter of how do you marry the two. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing where Marc Gasol is going to come in with his passing ability. I mean, that's something that Jonas Valanciunas couldn't do. You know, he just didn't have Gasol's 
passing IQ, which is really big for a big guy if they have that. And I think he can be the guy that marries those two styles together and really helps them so that when Kawhi's in the game, they're able to kind of get a little more passing. He's another guy that Kawhi could hit, could you know, pass to him and then come off of a, a DHO, a, a dribble handoff, you know, action or, or go get a screen and, and, and come back to it or, or things like that. Might just make things a little bit easier for Kawhi. And when he's not in the game, they could just run their offense through Gasol to continue to create for other people. So Mo, I think, Mo, can you describe the difference? Uh, I know we don't have a telestrator here, but just for folks listening, when when Kawhi goes out of the game, how would you characterize that offense? If it's if when he's in the game, it's a lot of on ball. He'll get some screens. He'll get some handoff action. And it's heavy through him. What what's it look like when he's on the bench? I mean, when he's on the bench, it's it's just you know it's it's massive amounts of ball movements because really who else are you going to put on there and you're going to say okay go create one-on-one Lowry hasn't been great but he's also a better creator for others so you know you you put him in there and he you know he kind of creates he comes off of ball screens and hits the ball you know hits the weak side guys and and they attack that way and it's you'll just see the ball kind of flying around and on top of seeing the ball fly around you'll see a lot of cutting and and movement from players you know, player movement's just as big as ball movement. You know, it's it's one thing to be like the Rockets and just stand around. Whereas, you know, when these guys are, when the ball kind of moves to a different part of the court, these guys are cutting and moving with it. Pausing briefly here to interject the exact numbers that Mo's alluding to, uh, the Raptors offense with Kawhi on the court has a two-point assist percentage of about 47%. That means about 47% of the two-point buckets are assisted and a three-point assist percentage is about 81%. So 47% and 81% with him in the game. These numbers are from play-by-play stats, pbpstats.com, wonderful site if you're not familiar with it. So it's 47 and 81 with him on the court. With him off the court, those numbers pop to 51%, so 47 up to 51%. And the three-point assist percentage goes from 81 to about 88% of all the threes are assisted. So that's going to be indicative of the ball moving more, of a more egalitarian approach that he's alluding to. And the overall efficiencies on those offenses, about 116 offensive rating with him on, and a respectable just under 111 with him off. So uh, back to Mo, he's going to continue on this point now. And I think that's kind of the biggest difference is you just kind of see the ball fly it kind of just hums, you know, it, it just goes bing, 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 kind of like the way the Spurs used to be right? Um, back in the day. You know, when we used to talk about it with the Spurs, we're like, the ball doesn't stick in anybody's hands for longer than, you know, two seconds. And I think that's kind of the big difference. It's, and again, it's like, I don't, I'm not trying to kill Kawhi or anything like that. It's, it's, it's just a different offense and it's a uh, easier for the other guys. I'm sure to play, play along. Cause they all know they're going to, they're going to get touches and, and, and whatnot. And when Kawhi's in the game, it tends to, again, just kind of evolve into more of a, a, a one-on-one show. And listen, he's damn good, so it's 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 fruitful and it, and it makes sense. Um, but I think that's kind of the difference. between It's like two styles, two kind of completely different styles within one team that you, you don't see that often. Yeah, and as you're talking through this, you're, I think, doing a great job of kind of illustrating some of my question marks about how Gasol was going to fit into that. Um, I, I know a lot of people were super high on the trade. I'm on the record as saying, well, this is an upgrade, but I, I don't know 
how this like really ups them a level. I don't know how this all comes together. Do you have specific thoughts maybe that you can extrapolate from looking at tape where you say, oh, okay, actually, if you put Mark in the high post here, now you can have action where, okay, if they take away a Kawhi option, we can quickly flow into something that maybe looks a little bit more like the Spurs of a couple years ago. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you, you put him in the, the high post, you know, I mean, you could even put him at the top of the, the three-point line. I mean, he's, the, the big difference between him and Valanchunas is that he can also shoot and, and stretch it out to three. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, they, they got to go defend that, so that's going to open up more space and create more of an opportunity for guys to cut and, and to, to, to screening action and things like that and, and, and creates that space. And even when he doesn't have the ball, it's harder to double off of him because he can hit those shots. Do you see anything with him physically that makes you think something's not right, or do you think it's an effort, uh, sort of a mental thing? Because I thought at the beginning of the year he looked great, and then as this, you know, after a month or a month and a half, he just looked like he didn't have the same sort of horizontal movement or agility to me. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I, I don't know too much really in, in that regard of, in terms of his health, but I don't, I'm, I'm sure some of it is, look, when you're, when you start getting your butt kicked, you know, on a nightly basis, it, it, it takes a lot out of you, <laughs> you know, yeah. and how much, and, and, and I don't blame him, man. I know we, listen, we want these guys to give everybody to give a hundred percent effort every night. That's not realistic. And I think it might be closer to being more of an effort thing. I'm sure he has some nicks and knacks, you know, everybody does as they go through the season, but I think it might be more of just effort and, and, and being somewhat unhappy in a situation. I mean, you to kind of just put it to regular terms, like if you work a job that you hate, you're not really putting in the full effort night in and night out at that job. So it's one of those things where, you know, it's not, and I'm not trying to say he hated it. Obviously, he has real close ties to Memphis, but he just wasn't really happy. And we've seen it for the past year and a half. I mean, we all kind of knew this trade was coming at some point. Speaking of trades, uh, let's shift to the Bucks. Um, they just picked up Miritich at the deadline. Thoughts on them? I mean, Miritich fits perfectly for what they do and what they want. You know, uh, another shooter out there to continue to spread the floor and, and keep space for Giannis so that when Giannis drives like they have, you know, he can either beat you one-on-one or if you help off of a shooter, they'll find those guys and, and hit shots. They're a great defensive team in the Bucks. You know, they, Coach Budenholzer has done a great job. Um, I worked with him in San Antonio, so I'm not surprised. He did a good job in Atlanta, too. They've been far and away the best, not best, but maybe most consistent team all season. Um, they haven't really slipped up. So it'll be interesting in the playoffs when teams get a chance to scheme against them because that's where that's where it really gets tough. You know, teams are going to sit there and figure out how are they going to game plan you know, I've said on other podcasts, I'm not as high on the Bucks because of that. I think, I think that's a team you could game plan against and and make it difficult for Giannis. I think the talent disparity, you know, the drop off after Giannis to uh, Chris Middleton, who's probably the consensus second best player on that team, is pretty big. And you know, it's it's not a shot at Middleton. I think you know, but I don't think you're a championship team if you have him as your second option. You need more. And, you know, they, they've they've never been out of the first round, so there's a whole lot of stuff in that regards that, you know, there's a matter of getting a, 
used to it. It's tougher in the second round. It's tougher in the conference finals. And it's crazy, crazy difficult in the finals. And I just think, you know, X's and O's wise, I think you're going to see teams defend Giannis in certain ways. I think you're going to see things where teams are just going to say like, hey, we're not helping off the shooters. You know, we're, we're going to make Giannis have to score 60 points a game. We're going to pick him up at half court and really make him work. And I think, you know, that's, that's kind of an effect. Or you could do it the other way around. Hey, we're going to just crush Giannis and, and see if these other guys can beat us. You know, we're going we're gonna to help in a ton. You know, as much as we talk about how well, how many shooters they have, you know, last I checked, they're still average, league average in three-point percentage. So just because they shoot a lot, you know, they're, they're not making as much as, as we kind of believe. So there, there might be an opportunity there to kind of, take advantage of it granted when they make it it counts as three points so it mm-hmm. <laughs> hurts a little more what you know, what, but, what team in the east could play that first strategy that you outlined there what what team do you think is best equipped and i think i guess technically you could even include the pacers since they're so good defensively you know which of those top teams do you think has the personnel to say we're going to play Giannis straight up essentially uh, we're going to pinch harder to the outside. We're not going to collapse and help. And hopefully, yeah, he might score 45 points, but hopefully it's not efficient and it just completely bogs down the offense. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think all three of these teams, Boston, Toronto, and Philly, have guys that can do that. I think, you know, with with Philly, you're going to have, you can throw a bunch of guys from Simmons to Tobias Harris to Jimmy Butler to, you know, if you even want to get a little crazy and throw and beat on him for a little bit, just to kind of constantly give him different looks and, and, and keep him guessing, I think that's something that they could do. I think Boston is stacked with guys, um, starting from, you know, Marcus Smart, who's going to be giving up a ton of size, but still at the same time, you know, is a tough, tough dude and, and really physical and can make it hard on Giannis, kind of punish him a bit physically. Marcus they, Smart gives up size to no one. He 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 don't he donates <laughs> it out of the warmness of his heart, just to make it fair. That's the only reason. Gotcha. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I'm good. I, <laughs> I'm glad I got told about that one. That's gonna be a. I like that one. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Keep friends. going. Keep going. Keep going. No, that's a good one. That's a good, <laughs> good one. Um, but you have you know you have Jalen Brown. You have you know Marcus Morris. Like you have guys you could put on him that that again can be physical you, you, you know you could put Horford on him at times you know you have enough guys that you could rotate in and out and then it's the same thing with with Toronto you know uh obviously we know how great of a defender Kawhi is but you have OG Ananobi you have Pascal Siakam you know you could throw Serge Ibaka on him you know at times and 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 kind of again it's it's one of those things of just kind of keep giving him different looks it's it's sort of a in football, you don't blitz from the same position over and over again. You know, you don't send the same linebacker every time. You don't give a quarterback the same look because a good quarterback will pick you apart. So in this situation, kind of sending, you know, just different guys constantly and kind of keeping him guessing. We kind of forget about Indiana because of the Oladipo thing. I know I'm guilty of it, uh, you know, but they, I mean, they have guys that that can do it. I'm not as high on them. I think they'll they'll falter come the second half of the season so uh oh, i'm sure all the pacers fanatics can come at me later for it uh my mute button's ready uh but the it's uh, at mo doc underscore nba everyone <laughs> just for everyone in indianapolis 
Yeah, listen. If you come in nicely, I'll I'll have a conversation. You come in snarky or give me an attitude, I'll I'll uh, I'll mute you. I, I I got better things to do with my time, but uh, but I think that's the case. You know, uh, I think really think all these teams can do it. It's not going to be easy, right? Like this, this is this is this is all easier said than done. It's easy for me to say that sitting in my little uh, I don't know my my mini office, I guess. Uh, you you, know, didn't, you didn't even give yourself a full size office. No, nah, I don't really have. <laughs> <laughs> this is radio, man. No one knows. It's okay. I don't want to. I don't want to sell something I'm not. So, so did you? I think it was Utah that played Giannis with Gobert for a while this year. Uh, maybe I'm making that up. But yeah, no, it was yeah. R- right. What are you, like something like that where you really say, look, if you can't shoot from the outside, then I'm essentially going to play you with some kind of you know just paint protection, ten feet and in principle or something with a guy who's awesome at that. So every time you take something away defensively, you open something else up offensively. So if you're going to sit there and wait back there, that's fine. Um, Coach Coach Thorpe reminded me how Tony Parker used to attack that. He said, okay, if you're going to do that, Tony's going to back up, and then he's going to come at you full speed. You know, we used to see it with Rondo, too. You know, when you back up that far, you're really giving these guys a runway to attack you, and you're relatively stationary. So I think it's a good idea to do – to, to to mix it in I think it's hard to just do that the whole time because man Giannis can get to the rim from half court in like what three steps almost it feels like you know with just his go-go gadget length you know you kind of feel like he can just contort and stretch himself the euro step all of that you know and his stride is so long that it's it's hard interjecting really quickly with the numbers on that game Giannis in his game against Utah this year had 30 points, but he's only 13 of 30 from the floor, only had six free throws. That's a 46% true shooting percentage, which is obviously not good. And then another key stat from that strategy where they were dropping Gobert against him, he only had two assists in that game. It's interesting because I I think he's arguably at his best with that runway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he's coming at you with the Euro step or those huge strides. So, you know, I could see, I could see him having a monster postseason almost any way we slice this. And to your point, maybe it still takes enough away from Milwaukee that they get tripped up in one of these series. Before, before we go off the Bucks, um, a lot of people talk about how many three-pointers they surrender. Do you have any thoughts on? Do you, do you see that as a as a deficiency of any sort in terms of scheme or dropping Brook and or anything like that, or is that to you just a byproduct of the scheme they run? I think it's it's a, uh, like you said a byproduct of it. You know, dropping Brook a lot it's hard. And again, in, when you take something away, if you're if their attitude is we're going to take the pain away, then you're going to give up open threes. Like that's just something you're going to have to live with. You know the. Uh, you bring it back to the Atlanta Hawks days uh, with Coach Bud, you know, and they had that super aggressive blitzing pick and roll defenses. They knew they were going to give up threes in that uh, system in that scheme. Their bet was that we're going to get enough stops out of it that it's not going to hurt us as much, um, you know. And as as many threes as they're giving up, you know, at the same time, they're also one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. So. Right. You know, they're, it's clearly working, so I don't know why they changed it. And this is kind of the thing that sort of we tend to do too much with, like, analytics and, and whatnot is we fret about a certain number. Beginning of the year, everybody was upset that the Warriors weren't shooting enough threes. Like, they had the best offensive rating in the league, 
and had a high three-point percentage. Like, I don't know really what we were, what we were crying about. They, they actually had the best offensive rating in league history, and they still do technically. But Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and so it's like sometimes we tr- we're, we're really looking to nitpick. I, I don't know the number, but they got to be tops in, in paint defense. Actually, I'm going to look that up while we're talking. It's not um, like we have an internet we can access. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm slightly distracted because now I'm on the now I'm on the interweb and trying to find the the stat I want. No um, worries, I'll just cut this all out. No worries, man. Leave it in. Let the people know I'm unprepared. It's fine. <laughs> it's never going to bother me. It's these are facts. Well, well, you're looking that up. I just want to uh, you know mem- remember a great bit of nostalgia for when you didn't know things, like when mm-hmm. that was possible to not know something. Now we just look it up. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. Just so you, just so everybody knows, they are number one in points in the paint defense by giving up only forty point seven points a game. You know, league average is you know forty eight. So you know, they're they're for as much as we fret about them giving up a lot of threes, they're also damn good in the paint, and that's where dropping Brook Lopez really makes a difference. You know, and and it's funny you look at the Lakers and you're just kind of like, man, you guys, the Lakers are twenty one. 21st in the league, giving up 50.4. I mean, they 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 just let Brook Lopez walk away, and and turned out to be one of the biggest signings for the Bucks. Well, it's to your point earlier, which I think is a great one that we need to heed more as a community sometimes. Which is if you if you give up something or if you gain something somewhere, you're giving it up somewhere else. And it's really right. It's really the totality of the thing that matters at the end of the day. Right, and people make fun of me for it because one of my favorite movies is Draft Day. And, you know, it's, it's, can you live with it? There's a whole speech Kevin Costner gives about it. Uh, but it's like, can you live with it? If, if we do it this way and we give up these threes, can we live with it? And the Bucks have found a way to live with it. Wait, your all time favorite movie is draft day? Not all time favorite. Like let's not get carried away, but it is one of my favorites. And if I catch it on TV, it does stop me in my tracks to the point that I will probably be doing a podcast with somebody about the movie draft day in the off season when I'm, when I have plenty of time. That's that's a fun side note for everybody. Oh man! Um, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> I, I stumped you. Yeah, no, you got me. You totally got me. I've never heard anyone say one of their favorite movies is Draft Day. Let, let's talk about the Boston Celtics. You have you don't have enough people with good taste in your yeah, life. That's it. That's you know, <laughs> man. I've been told that before. Trust me. Um, the Boston Celtics, fascinating. I'm trying to remember a season like this from my perspective sitting on the outside, seeing a team that's really been in the top three in net rating and efficiencies for most of the top 10 offense, top 10 defense. When they've been healthy, their numbers are great. Uh, they've had a bunch of big wins. Sometimes maybe they play down to competition. But you have a team like this, and then you look at those preseason expectations and all the noise and chatter coming out of the locker room, and people it's almost become very polarizing. People saying, oh, the Celtics are having a terrible year. What kind of... Where where are you on them before we even you know jump into uh, anything specific? The the thing about the Celtics again, I'm just going to go to another movie. They just remind me of the team from uh, any given Sunday to a degree. Oh man, I thought you were going with Celtic pride. I got excited for a second. Oh no, nah, listen, man. That, <laughs> I remember that movie. It was a long time ago, but I don't remember it enough the way I do some of these other ones I've seen uh, with Damon Wayans and Daniel Stern. Um, but the uh, the way I look at it with the Celtics is, you know, they're still going to be there in the end. They are a great clutch team. 
you know, their their offensive rating in the clutch is 131.2. Uh, I had j- actually looked it up just just yesterday, um, and they're like 11 or 12 points better than the next team, uh, which I think might be the Bucks. You know, they're they're just the thing about them is they're going to be so damn tough in close games because they've they've all played together for a long time. Now, granted, they've they're having problems with really guys being unhappy with their roles to a degree. Um, so is that a, is that an X's and O's thing in any way? Because when I, you know, you watch the offense and it doesn't seem like stuff gets broken or, you know, what's your take on that? No, I, I, I don't think it's an X's and O's thing. I really think it's a, a locker room role, role situation. You know, it's, it's, they've alluded to all these guys have alluded to it all season. Marcus Moore is saying we're not playing with any joy you know, it's it's not an easy thing. Like the, the the we we always just think about coaching as X's and O's, and people don't understand. Like the locker room is the hardest thing to coach. You got to figure. You got guys who have different emotions and different personalities, and you got to mold them into all going towards the goal. And everybody has different ambitions, you know. But it's not an X's and O's thing. I know early in the year people were killing Brad Stevens. He runs a basic offense. That's fine. You don't have to be that creative when you have guys like Kyrie and and Jason Tatum and and Al Horford and guys who can kind of just create on the fly anyways I think what they need is a film session of draft day Uh, listen man well they need to watch any given Sunday that's kind of what I think you know they should be showing the Al Pacino speech of you know the the inches we six inches in front of your face around us you know kind of that speech you know a funny aside is I actually did a, a highlight tape when I was with the Clippers, um, and did a, uh, and just had the speech kind of, you know, playing as the audio with the highlight. And I just remember it. And then DeAndre Jordan looked at me later. He's like, can you, can you get me that speech on my phone? <laughs> and like, he would listen to it before games, I mean, <laughs> but they, they, they need to kind of that. I could see them making a run to the finals just cause they have so much talent. I think Brad Stevens is a good coach, so I think you know he can kind of pull it together. Um, well said. Maybe we should move on to the Philadelphia 76ers, <laughs> who, I mean, they just bring in a new player every week, right? That's the strategy there for the front office. It's no longer the process. It's the processing. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, I don't know how you feel, but I've, I'm, the process is over. They've they've succeeded. They're relevant. This was kind of the process to me, you know. Get get top talent and compete, and now you're you're in the mix if you're Philly. It's interesting because, you know, everybody talks about they need more shooting, and and yeah, that'd be nice. I don't think depth is as important as in the playoffs as it is in the regular season because you 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 shorten your rotation and you're you're really kind of focusing on these guys a lot more. I think when they're healthy, they have the best starting lineup in the Eastern Conference. I, I honestly, I mean, I think Tobias Harris should have been an All Star. The thing they got to figure out is who's going to attack and when and where. You got to keep Butler engaged. You know, it's very easy with with all five of these guys. You know, and I'm including Reddick. You can kind of lose track and sort of forget about a guy because you know Reddick gets he's the human torch. If he gets hot, you're going to keep feeding him. He can score 40 points from three for you. Harris can get hot, and he can do some stuff off of pick and rolls. You know, Jimmy Butler, same thing. Butler, when they brought him in, I thought it was a great trade just because I thought he'd be a great closer for them. 
you know, adding Harris is just another guy, another weapon, you know, Embiid in the post, it's, you know, figuring out the spacing between Embiid and Simmons. That's the one for me. That's, that's the big thing. Right. And, and, but the, the, the way I kind of look at it is it, it's going to be all right. It's just, they got to figure it out. You know, having when Embiid's in the post and Simmons is in that dunker spot, which I'm not sure how familiar people are with the dunker spot, but it's the, I think weak side post and just kind of like underneath or just behind the basket, you know, there's going to be an opportunity for Simmons to get dump off passes from Embiid when his guy goes to double. Look, it'd be nice for Simmons to be able to shoot. He can't. You know, it's, it's going to take time to develop. Everybody thought it would happen overnight. That doesn't happen overnight. That takes a while. I think they have a chance to be a really good defensive team. The hardest thing for them, too, at the end of the day, and it's not as much X's and O's, it's how much time do you have enough time to really gel as a cohesive unit. I think they have, like, 25 games left. That's hard. But I think they're a really interesting team just because going into a series, I mean, you can argue they have the best four players in any series, or at least four of the top five. Well, one might argue that. I'm not sure I would I would buy that argument. Well, I mean, like, I mean, look at it this way. You know, if they go against the Bucks, we can say we can say Giannis is the best player in that series. Who's the next five guys? Yeah, a, num- a number of them are on the Sixers. I'm, I'm, you're a little higher on Harris uh, than I am. I think you get to Middleton at a certain point, but I, I no. It's the point is the point is well taken. Uh, I think clearly the issue with Philadelphia is how do these things blend together, right? As an aside, by the way, as you were talking about Simmons shooting threes, I thought he missed a huge opportunity to shoot threes in the Rising Stars game and the All Star game. Just jack him up. <laughs> There's no pressure, right? <laughs> right, just jack him up. So unless unless you are, and it doesn't seem like he is based on the couple he's thrown up at the end of the clock this year, unless you're like somehow extremely self-conscious in a destructive psychological way about people seeing your bricks, I mean, it's, a, it's an it's, exhibition game. It's a, it's a hard thing. So here's the thing people don't understand when you're, you're working on your shot. It is hard. It's mentally difficult. Because you have to understand that you're going to miss a ton early on, right? It's very discouraging. Um, equate it to anybody who's trying to learn golf, you know, and the number of swings it takes before you learn to actually swing the golf, you know, the golf club correctly. And even then you can still screw it up. And it's, and it's a very discouraging thing. And I think that's, it's a hard thing to do. And to do it publicly, it wouldn't be fun. He'd be getting killed all over Twitter, I think for that stuff, you know, I know you're, I'm with you. It's an exhibition game. Have fun. Jack up shots. I mean, social media is relentless then. Well, he's they, getting, they, he's getting killed anyway, though. That's the thing. Yeah. But it, I mean, he's good. I mean, so, but why give him another thing, right? It'd be the same thing with Lonzo ball. I mean, you know, these guys are going to have to learn the, the, the form and change their body mechanics and they're, it's going to be uncomfortable. They're going to miss a lot of shots, but they have to find a way mentally to stay with it. And it's, and it's hard. It's not easy to do that. Great great points. And, Mo, this is what the Internet is here for. Lonzo Ball and Ben Simmons jumper. Well, it's yeah. actually, we're just going to make that the title of the podcast. <laughs> uh, I thought it was going to be draft day. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Kevin Costner's speech. Um, and, this, you know, it's funny. The speech in any given Sunday, when I was a teenager, that was the first uh, audition monologue i ever prepared for an acting audition oh wow yeah did you get the part i think uh yeah i got one of the leads there we go no that was that was too long ago i can't remember (laughs) i can't remember that 
<laughs> um, so, so last thing on the Sixers, uh, any anything specifically that you have insight on in terms of um, when Simmons and, and Beat are on the court at the same time, they've they've staggered the lineups a lot this year. And of course, the thinking is, A, now you have this consolidated talent with the starting five, and B, when you get into the playoffs, your bench gets shorter. So what can they actually do? Is it is it to continue the dribble handoff heavy action and the kind of stuff they've been running? Anything you can add there, I think, would put a lot of color on this for people interested in how this is going to look in April and May. Yeah, so they don't run a lot of pick and rolls, but it would be interesting to put them in a couple, having them set some double high pick and rolls for Butler or Harris. Um, you know, I, I think Harris is a bit underrated in, in creating off of pick and rolls. He did a lot of it with the Clippers. But I think there's there, there's value there in that. I think, you know, you could have Simmons roll and Embiid pop. You know, I think they could run a couple of Spain action sets out of it as well, you know, and I think they just... Spain, Spain for those who don't know, is basically a second screen for the screener very deadly yeah it's like a pick the picker but it usually ends up kind of like uh instead of the guy popping out for a a, a shot it's for the the big kind of getting a almost a lob dunk you know half the time and and the spanish national team really kind of uh killed it with it you know i mean they killed a bunch of teams with it uh they heard us in australia with it quite a bit um so it's almost but, like you'd have two bigs there right you'd have simmons and Embiid. Uh, both as as lob or cutting threats or some kind of dive action. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of opportunities with that. Um, you know, I think there's 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 that stuff. I mean, they've they've gotten really good with the dribble handoffs. I mean, Embiid and JJ Reddick's kind of chemistry off dribble handoffs is very impressive. You know, and 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 they read each other well. And for the short amount of time they've been together, you know, Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler have a seem to have a good feel for it. You can still see times where there's a little bit of hesitancy from one or the other guy, you know, not sure what the other one's going to do. But, you know, they, again, for a small amount of time, they've they've done pretty well with it. But I think if you run a couple more, like, double uh, pick and rolls up high in, in, in a half-court setting can help. I think positioning Embiid almost at the, the high post or the elbow, and they're beginning to do that, run a couple more elbow sets, you know, out of out of that will will also kind of help and and open up some uh, a little additional more spacing. But it's always going to be a tough tough go of it. You know, everybody kind of complains about the fits not perfect. Fit fits rarely perfect. Well, all right, we've we've talked about these four teams. I know that you have a hard time picking one, as I think uh, the rest of us do. Anybody you sort of see as a favorite or having some kind of edge? It sounded to me like maybe you were highest on Boston. I mean, yeah, that's because it's a uh, Thursday. I mean, <laughs> 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 right? Like any, any the Thursday is Celtic Day. Tomorrow is Milwaukee. <laughs> right. I mean, it's 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 you know, when people ask me that question, I'm like, I can tell you an answer now, and I can tell you a totally different one tomorrow. Uh, I still think Philly's just too young um and same with milwaukee like they just haven't had the battle scars yet i'm interested to see with toronto and, and how this all works with gasol so it's it's gonna be really interesting but just if i had to pick you know today i'll pick boston but again like this afternoon ben i could have a wholly different take you know yeah uh, i i view it less as a traditional commit to a pick and more at 
kind of weighting the probability of, you know, who has an edge here, who has an edge there. Like take the Celtics, for instance, they strike me, you used a football term earlier, uh, analogy of blitzes. Uh, One of the things out of football, they talk about being multiple, you know, being able to play different roles in different positions and slots and things like that. And I feel from a scheme standpoint, you know, Horford at the four, Horford at the five, Horford guarding smalls, Horford guarding bigs, not just Horford, the interchangeability of their forwards, so on and so forth. You have Hayward, you know, it looks like he's now going to be able to initiate more offense as planned and on and on and on. So uh, that's sort of one of the edges that I'm looking for in these teams. And I, I feel like the Celtics have that matchup edge. You, you buy that? Yeah, I mean, I could see it for sure. I mean, it's not even just Horford. You know, Baines is a big player for right, them. And, right. and, and even Tice has come in and has, has been big for them when Baines has been injured. Like, they, they do really have a lot of interchangeable parts. The other aspect of it, and we won't know this until the end of the season, but also the the route, you know, who you play in the first round. Listen, even though Indiana lost Oladipo, they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. That's a tough first-round matchup for anybody. I, I wouldn't want to play them if I were Philly. I'm a little lower on Philly than the other four, and I just mm-hmm. feel like that's a trap, having to get through that. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the second round, if all four of these teams advance, it's it's going to be a free-for-all. And, and we're going to kill whatever two teams don't make it to the conference finals and talk about them as a failure, whereas I just kind of look at it going like, no, I mean, they just – they. They had a bad series or whatever. For whatever reason, they may lose. It's just a matter of... I wrote a whole chapter in my book on this topic, so uh, hopefully one day we'll be able to get there and understand that sometimes series are close, can flip the other way, a couple hot shooting games, so on and so forth. Probably not today. Mo, tell everybody else uh, what else you got going on, uh, other other stuff to look forward to. Um, you said you have more stuff coming out for Washington Post. Yeah, um, when I'm not watching draft day or any given Sunday, I'm, you know, watching. Do you have those on loop? (laughs) I just have them recorded on the DVR. If I'm bored, I'm having a rough day. We'll we'll, we'll throw one of those on, you know. Um, Yeah, you can find me on, uh, anytime I do anything, you can find it on uh, Twitter. You can follow me at mo.keel underscore NBA. Um, Hopefully I'll have some stuff up in the Washington Post within the next few weeks. I'm always doing basketball threads. I'm trying to do the podcast weekly. Yeah, I mean that's kind of it. You know, if you're really if you're really bored, and uh, you can follow me on Instagram, same handle as Twitter. Uh, but it's really just more about me running. I don't know if that would be interesting to anybody else. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's really where you can find me, and that's where I do most of my stuff. You know, again, I just put everything up on Twitter, so you can find it from there. Awesome. Check check out his uh, Twitter threads. At- podcast has incredible guests i don't know how you get all those guests um and bribery <laughs> i gotta try that thanks <laughs> thanks so much for coming on mo Appreciate no, don't it. don't be bribing people after i've come on <laughs> i want a retroactive bribe <laughs> checks in the mail all right there we go <laughs> ben thanks for having me man a big thanks to mo for coming on i hope you guys enjoyed that something a little different and as always a special thanks to my patrons you can support the program at patreon.com slash thinking basketball you guys know the drill otherwise i hope you're having a great day and i will speak to you guys in the next episode